When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. And that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. And last week, we took a little bit of a break. And in place of our strange news and listener mail segments, we published some classic episodes. We hope you enjoy them. And we are Back in the game. The news is going crazy. Uh, we do want to touch on several stories that are still developing and will probably end up being uh, future episodes. Uh, spoiler alert when you hear the news about Kazakhstan and Russia, ask yourself where the world's uranium comes from. 46% hmm. of it comes from Kazakhstan. And uh, some sources that uh, have to remain anonymous have, have told me some stuff that's pretty eye-opening. But we'll get to that later. Yep. Yeah, for Also, now, a lot of petroleum yeah. produced there in Kazakhstan. Oh, yes. Oh, quite a bit. Uh, and for now, we're going to explore some stories about the future of farts, the rise of the pig-hearted, and a terrifying illness 
that is going through Canada. And this is something that a couple of folks had written uh, to us or to me about in in the past, but it's definitely a story that we have our eyes on. Also, you know, before we begin, guys, this is one of the first times I thought the pandemic's really working for me because everybody, a lot of us are working from home now and we don't have to deal with the horrific Atlanta traffic that occurs whenever a president rolls through town. I like this is the first time in my life I've thought, oh, okay, well, I hope everyone has a good time. Instead of being stuck yeah. in the bike head for two hours. <laughs> yeah, as we record this, uh, current President Biden is speaking right now, mm-hmm. uh, somewhere in our city. About the need to, the urgent need for legislation, which is way different from saying, I'm going to do something. Just yeah, that a lot of that. I need a lot, a lot of that. Um, it's crazy. Speaking of traffic, uh, did you guys hear about the traffic jams in, I believe, New York or I ninety five that were so bad during those storms that like people got stuck with like six hundred dollar Uber bills? Oh, yeah, yeah. Virginia, Virginia is bad. Where That's they were what it shut was. down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm still wondering why there weren't immediately mobile shelters built. You know what I mean? Like FEMA coming in through with some kind of Uncle Sam version of a yurt. It's a good question, but apparently um, a lot of the news <laughs> crews and helicopters that were shooting the whole thing didn't shy away from filming people getting out of their cars and um, dropping trow and using the restroom. Mm-hmm. Oh, Gotta well, I mean, if it machine. if it pees, it leads. No, if it, no, 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 you're no, there. Yeah. Okay, right. <laughs> um, if well, it lacks <laughs> speed, it leads. Mm-hmm. There we right? go. Traffic mm-hmm. chant. Never mind. We're we're all we're all. If canceled. it's not if speeds, it, if it poops, it's a scoop. <laughs> right. That's well, the that's the one. <laughs> CNN. <laughs> all right. Sorry. Yeah, but we. I, I think we all talked maybe with our colleagues or maybe separately off air about this first story in this week's segment, which is the, which is an illness story, and it does not appear to be COVID. Right. There's a mystery afoot. Yes, very much so, and very much not COVID. Uh, This is a neurological degenerative disease of some sort or multiple diseases, and it's in a fairly small cluster of 48 people. And you may think, why are you talking about something that's only affecting 48 people on this planet where there's tons of things affecting way more people? Uh, Well, because it's puzzling. It's very frightening when you look at the symptoms that are being described and what these 48 people are dealing with. So that's that's why we're covering it today. And to talk about it first, we have to travel just northeast of Maine into Canada, into New Brunswick. That is where this cluster of 48 individuals live. And that's where something is affecting people uh, of various ages. It's especially frightening, by the way, because this whatever this disease is, whatever this thing is, it's affecting young people with an intense neurodegenerative disease. And to begin, we're going to jump to The Guardian and read the story. Whistleblower warns baffling illness affects growing number of young adults in Canadian province. It was published on January 2nd, and it was written by Leland Secco. Okay, so I think the first thing I want to start with I've just kind of said some of the main points here. It's 48 individuals. Uh, It was announced in the spring of last year, little less than a year ago when this cluster of people uh, were announced. And the reason why the word whistleblower is in there is because someone has come forward to state that this is way bigger of a problem than the reaction that it's receiving from officials 
in New Brunswick, in Canada, and just the the medical community, essentially. Let's talk about some of the, the people and what's happening to them. If you read that article, you will read about a suspected case that would be within this cluster of a man who is uh, developing, you know, what you would consider dementia and uh, a few other symptoms. His wife was taking care of him. She was his caregiver as he was, you know, going through this degeneration. And suddenly she began experiencing strange symptoms, losing sleep, muscle wasting, uh, which you can imagine that muscles breaking down, dementia and hallucinations herself. And uh, at the time that this article was written, the wife was experiencing worse symptoms than the husband, the person for whom she was caring. Um, And, you know, that's pretty scary, right? Does that Mm -hmm. mean you think about those two cases together? Does that mean that the wife caught something from the husband? That generally doesn't, it doesn't work that way with these kind of neurodegenerative diseases. You know, the way you think COVID would or some other flu-like thing, you don't just catch it from somebody. If you're just thinking about those two cases, you imagine, well, is it something in the environment, like in their home? Is it something they both, you know, were breathing or something that they ate or drank? Like what could cause this? And it just gets weirder from there because then you start looking at other individuals where there seems to be some kind of communicative effect with whatever this disease is. There was a, I'm just going to continue reading from that same article from The Guardian. There was a woman in her 30s who was described as nonverbal feeding with a tube and was uh, experiencing drooling. And her caregiver was a young woman in her 20s, a nursing student, who also, after caring for this person, began developing some of the same things, some neurological decline that would be, again, described as similar to what her patient was experiencing. So it's just very, it's frightening. Like, imagine that, guys. Imagine if there was the fear of something like COVID which is dangerous and deadly in some cases. Imagine if instead of it affecting your chest and, you know, your ability to to breathe, it was affecting the way that your brain functioned mm-hmm. and your ability to say words and speak sentences and understand concepts and move your body. Um, it's terrifying. And I think that's why this case and these stories, it's being written about all across the internet. And it's also... Um, It's something that verges on being uh, overblown. You can overblow this very quickly because it is only 48 individuals, as I keep saying, but it is something that could potentially be worst case scenario, you know, for humanity. (laughs) I'm laughing because it's that scary to me. It's a black box, right? Because it's not obeying the uh, constraints or the behaviors of recognized conditions, right? No genetic mm-hmm. links, possible environmental factors. And to be honest, the Canadian authorities and government uh, made a lot of missteps here. And they're the kind of missteps that can lead people uh, to increasingly alarmist conclusions, whether or not those conclusions are well-founded. Agreed. You could almost say that is another symptom of the infection is the uh, government not being super helpful about it, which is something anybody in a country that has been dealing with COVID, anybody in most countries dealing with COVID can completely 
and unfortunately experientially understand. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I guess I hear the term whistleblower and I usually think of like corporations doing bad things, people's health with their products or, you know, polluting or whatever. But I guess at the end of the day, there was a whistleblower. Mm-hmm. There was a whistleblower when COVID first became a, a news item. Um, the correct. Chinese government did try to cover it up, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And in this case, it's just someone stepping forward and saying, hey, this is way worse than the authorities are saying, than the medical you know, officials are saying. And we can learn that by seeing what the New Brunswick Office of the Chief Medical Officer of Health has to say, or at least that's what the office has to say. You can read New Brunswick Cluster of Neurological Syndrome of Unknown Cause. In here, you can actually get a breakdown of you know the people experiencing this stuff. You can read some of the findings and the response by the government. You can read through some of that. It is, it is, it's one of those things that when you look through it, it appears to be saying, we don't know if these people are experiencing the same things, they don't seem to be, it seems mm-hmm. to be, you know, separate neurological disorders that are coming into play here, um, of varying severity. And, uh, these people don't seem to be experiencing the same thing. Yeah. However, <laughs> however, <laughs> this is one of the reasons that the whistleblower came forward because it, there does appear to be something bigger at play here that just isn't being seen or spoken about yet, or at least taken seriously. And the whistleblower works for a company called Vitality, Vitality with a little accent over the E. Is that like a healthcare network of some kind? Or is there any relevance to the story uh, surrounding this company and, and why that was mentioned in the article? It's described as a health network. I do not know exactly what it is. I know it's one of the uh, main authorities on healthcare within I think, I don't know if it's just the New Brunswick area or if it's just, you know, that particular part of Canada. I just don't have enough information on it. I apologize. No, no, no. This is, this is what we mean when we say things are developing, right? Because there's stuff that's still being unrolled in this, hopefully not conspiratorial tapestry. But there, there is one thing that really stood out to me. And at first I didn't believe it, but I went back and read, um, through that Guardian article, and then I went to some other um, Canadian-based news sources, and there, there's a group of scientists who are indicating that there may be an environmental culprit, like you, like you yes. alluded to, Matt, uh, specifically one involved in one of the big economies of New Brunswick, which is the which is lobster, right? The lobster trade, and there's this line that I saw quoted in multiple sources, multiple reputable sources, where scientists are saying, we are ready to begin research. We are ready to do a full investigation into this so that we can interpret data and you know we can compare contrast. But, quote, New Brunswick has specifically told us not to go forward with that work. Yes. That sounds very yeah. discordant. Yeah, it's it's um, this is where the conspiracy stuff comes in, because, as you stated, Ben, lobster fishing is a major thing. Imagine Maine in the United States, how big lobster fishing is as an industry there. Now, just to go a little bit northeast, you're in the same waters. It's the same deal there. And there was a study that you can actually read. It's linked to in that in that Guardian article that takes you to MDPI. It's a journal where you can read about 
uh, neurotoxins that exist in certain aquatic food sources for humans. And specifically named in there are crustaceans like lobsters. And there was a survey of 34 of the 48 individuals who were experiencing these things. And guess what? 90% of those 34 people had been ingesting. Lobster. Um, okay. All right. <laughs> I didn't know how many guesses you got. <laughs> also, I know, imagine, I imagine Maine sounds like a great tag for a, uh, for a tourism. Imagine. Imagine. Uh, well, but here's the deal. There's mm. no control group to compare the right. results of those 34 people's, the survey that they took. So you can't say, well, lobster is definitely a thing, even though 90% of the people surveyed who were having these problems ate it. Because, I mean, maybe 90% of all people in that area, New Brunswick, eat lobster because it's part of the main, you know, it's a main industry and it's just one of the foods that's available and it's fresh and you eat it. Right. Um, so there's no way to really link that unless you have a control group and then a uh, control group, Ben. And uh, <laughs> great show. Check it out. It's oh, still shit. on Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Both seasons. Thanks, man. Mm-hmm. I was just watching, guys. I just started it that that Netflix movie about the government's inaction when they're told that there's Don't a planet up. killer event. Don't look Don't, up. Don't and, look up. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's dude, it feels like yeah, I've just begun it, but it feels like that kind of thing where it's a political move to allow the study of one of the main industries in your province or your area, because if something bad comes up in there, uh, we, we can't sell lobster anymore. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, we have to cull a ton of the lobsters that we bring in and we, you know, our industry begins to die. Uh, it's a political choice then rather than a choice of, of health care and w- people's well-being. Right. We get into very murky territory very quickly. We're not just talking about deep ocean fishing. We're talking about things like the concept of acceptable margins of loss. Right. And mm-hmm. then the idea that... um more in-depth or comprehensive studies could reveal not just the the cause of 48 individual um, medical conditions, but it could have much larger implications for the future. You know, I think one thing we've all learned in our collective experience over the past few years is that reports of transmissible diseases are a lot like the cockroach rule in your kitchen at home. If you see one roach, then that means that there are many more that you are not seeing. And so for every one reported case, uh, it is unfortunately safe to assume there are many more unreported cases. And that, yeah, it might be a powder keg politically and uh, medically. Dude, Ugh. this is, if you continue reading that one Guardian article, you get down and you start hearing quotations from people whose family members have gone through this. Some of them have passed away and I'm going to read this one quote um, just really quickly. It is from a family member of someone who passed. They said, I don't know why the province wouldn't just do the science and look, they have my dad's remains. We've given them full permission to do toxicology and what needs to be done. Yet nothing has been looked at and they just can't understand. We, you know, we made the choice to give our father's remains to you uh, to test, f- to save other people, and you're not doing it. I mean, why? Why are you not doing that? And they haven't and provided think, a reason, right? 
as of yet. No, at least at the time that this article was written, I haven't seen any updates to it either. Um, I, I would just, I would just say, hey, people look into this, and we don't want to be alarmist here because again, there's a small number of people, and maybe nothing. But if there's a high level of BMAA, which is the neurotoxin that has been found in fairly large amounts in some lobster in that area, um, people need to know. You got to think twice about what you put in your body, especially if you're feeding your child or a loved one. Like, mm-hmm. people should be informed. And in the end, it does have major effects on an industry, or it could. Uh, but is it? I don't know. Weigh, then, weigh, weigh those human lives versus that, you know, that lobster money. And it'd be interesting, too, to extend this study uh, into lobster fisheries in Maine and in the northeastern coast of the U.S., including places like Rhode Island, because wildlife and infections do not practice political borders made by humans. Mm. You know what I mean? It's not if there is something related to the lobster, which, again, is unproven. That is just a speculation that cannot be proven or disproven yet. If it is something to do with the environment in any way, be it lobsters or some other cause, it's not as if those lobsters are going to get to the Canadian-U.S. border and then all of a sudden become safe. You know. Um, also, on a very selfish note, I got really into ordering weird seafood uh, online during the pandemic, and I'm, I'm starting to rethink that. Um, also, I was ordering from sustainable places, not to be to um political well but but the (laughs) ocean is the maritime ecosystem is collapsing i wonder if that could be part of this as well oh lord yeah that's a whole bigger bowl of fish not a bowl of fish it's a it's a lot that's a whole thing sea spiracy and all um and just to show that this has been happening for a long time, it's been reported about for a long time. Back in March of 2021, there's another Guardian article you can read titled Mystery Brain Disorder Baffles Can- Canadian Doctors. And it's about the same things. What is going on? Why is it happening? And how? And there were 43 cases at that time. Yeah. Look into it. Maybe make some, make your own decision really about what you think's happening, I guess. But yeah, we need to get the call out to like, Let's just let's do some testing, even if it needs to be a third party independent group that comes in and tests the lobster. That should probably happen like last year around March. Agreed. Okay. well, you're welcome for your weekly dose of happiness and positivity. (laughs) Let's hear a quick word from our sponsor and get back to some more strange news. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs, on-demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, 
Oh my god, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. And we're back, pivoting from a potentially uh, terrifying health scare. Could be the new pandemic sweeping the nation. No, I don't think that's what that is. But you never know. It's good to catch these things early. Uh, to a uh, another type of pandemic sweeping the nation, a technological pandemic called NFTs. The stupidest use of technology in the history of, of creation, uh, in my opinion. Ooh, I'm sure there's some hot take. Not if you're selling uh, it. If you're selling it, it's great. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just, I don't know. To me, in, in, you know, non-fungible tokens, fungible tokens or whatever, are uh, use of the cryptocurrency blockchain, or I mean, blockchain can be used for all kinds of stuff, but that's what we mainly associate it with, uh, in order to validate unique pieces of digital art, unique digital assets of any kind you can turn anything into an nft we had we saw um you know the head of twitter minting the first ever tweet as an nft and what does it mean to own a digital asset you might ask well not not much uh, it's literally a, a contract saying that you own it but as we know with all these stupid lazy lions and and um the monkeys or whatever they are the gorillas i guess they're very popular they're basically just crappy art that people pay a lot of money for in cryptocurrency um, and then are able to claim ownership over these. And, the, you know, the the minting process essentially makes it where you, you can unequivocally say, this is mine and I own this, but people can still screenshot them. And at the end of the day, it's just a JPEG. Uh, and, you know, you can make it your profile picture, but someone else can also screenshot and make it theirs. And then there's actually been a lot of to-do around that. People are like, hey, man, that's mine. You you don't own that. you got to take it down. I'll sue you. But it's like, yeah, good luck. Um, and maybe there's a path to that. But it has become a bit of a <sighs> emperor has no clothes kind of situation. Uh, to me, it just kind of shows the inherent 
hollowness and shallowness of things like um, art as commodities, you know? I mean, if anything, I think it's just kind of like a dystopian sci-fi way of saying, yeah, things are worth whatever we say they are. Uh, and if it's, uh, and these things aren't even cool looking, most of them. I mean, some of them are, you know, there's like Beeple or whatever, the guy that sold a billion dollar NFT, which is a collection of like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of all of these digital images that he had already made publicly available on his Instagram, you know, for years. Uh, It was just like a very, very large image macro with all of these as tiny little pixels. Um, And I think it's it's sold for a billion dollars. And so there's been this craze, people thinking, okay, NFTs are going to be the new cryptocurrency or they are cryptocurrency in and of themselves kind of they're a token um but you can then resell them of course and and like cryptocurrencies uh they can appreciate or depreciate in value um so it's really just opened up this kind of whole feeding frenzy around it and it's starting to get really silly because people like uh what's the guy's name that played al on um on home improvement do you guys remember his name probably not you probably just remember him as al not Tim Allen. With the beard. Uh, no, not Tim Allen. No, yeah. no, we know we know Tim Allen from other things like the Santa Claus. But and this guy's probably he was a, okay. Yeah, well, that too. Um, that was in, in a previous life. Let's let's give the guy let's give the guy a pass there, I suppose. Um, but uh, Al was the guy who was his trusty sidekick, um, and he also I think hosted like an iteration of Family Feud for a time. He's getting into, or he was getting into NFTs, but then he was kind of shamed for it on the internet, and he decided to to not do it. Um, point is, it's it's starting to reach peak saturation, I guess, because a lot of like these boomer types are getting into it themselves, and it's starting to feel a little bit more like we're reaching the implosion point for this, um, but not before uh, reality television star. Uh, Stephanie Maddow um, decided to take the uh, the NFT market by storm. Um, you may have read or heard that Stephanie Maddow, who is, uh, I think she was, a, she was a contestant on The Bachelor, if I'm not a mistaken. 90-day fiancé. Excuse me. All of those shows are interchangeable to me in my mind. I have not seen any of them between The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, 90 Day Fiance, Temptation Island, whatever. All of those are just kind of mashed into this weird amorphous blob in my mind. And no shade to anyone that likes them. I have been forced to watch them before, and I understand the appeal. They are uh, precision designed to keep you invested and to keep you waiting. They're just like manufactured cliffhanger after manufactured cliffhanger. I get it. Um, it's uh, it's fun prurient trash and and I, I i shade on no one for enjoying these shows i only know about it because of an episode of my mama told me just okay. so you guys are aware i, I know <laughs> about it because uh our pals my pals and, and you guys pals too i think uh anna and miles from daily zeitgeist have a 90 day fiance podcast which is pretty oh, funny God. i believe I isn't it called show. like i present you this rose or something like that or mm, i believe that's the one yeah. i think they're making it so is that that's this that's the Rose one. See I, see, I thought the Rose was a Bachelor thing. Are, are they spinoffs? Some of, some of these are spinoffs. I think, anyway, my Anyhow. buddy, Matt, <laughs> my buddy, Matt Riddle, friend of the show uh, and the network um, and one of my oldest pals, his partner um, is a producer, I believe, on 90 mm-hmm. Day Fiance. Um, in, in any case, uh, Stephanie Maddow, big rising star. Uh, the problem with, you know, being a contestant on a show like that is once the show's over, you got to kind of parlay that 15 minutes of fame into something else or like, you know, go back to working a regular job. Um, and Stephanie Maddow did that with gusto. She started off doing sort of an only fans type situation where people subscribe and sort of like a, you know, Patreon kind of thing. And she was getting a lot of requests from her patrons 
um, that she considers selling her farts. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That she considers. Did she, did she like? Did she offer a lot of toots on the show that she was on or something? Is that no, like, was she known no, for it? it? It's a Just fetish creeps. thing, Matt. Dear Just sweet creeps. Matt, oh, okay. my lovely summer child. Like <laughs> sweaty some, some people are into some weird shit, uh, like smelling other people's farts. Or no. in Asia in particular, at least that's where it got its start, you may have heard of the trend of being able to buy women's used underwear in vending machines. Uh, and there was a yeah. previous iteration of that that was like underage girls. Uh, and I believe, Ben, that's illegal. Yeah, well, uh, Japan actually just raised its age of consent, which was formerly 14. Uh, but, oh, wow. Yeah, but used underwear fetishization is not, I, I think it would be dinging, um, dinging our Pacific neighbors to say it was just stuck to that part of the world. The vending machine thing was real, though, from what I know. It's just no longer mm -hmm. around now. But you can go anywhere on the Internet if you are so inclined. If that bags your badgers, you can go online and find people who will gladly sell you purportedly used underwear. And if they're consenting adults, you know, loneliness is a crazy thing. Do you? Well, you lonely or not lonely? Do you indeed? And why the hell not? Make a little money. It's a service people want. Why shouldn't they get it? And why shouldn't you benefit for, for, for providing it? So, so Matto decided, okay, um, did a little homework, potentially. Found some of the stories that we're talking about here. Maybe there's a, there's a, there's a market for this. I mean, because as we know, there's a market for just about everything. Um, so she started uh, farting into little cute little mason jars and, uh, and bottling them up. <laughs> And at first, she was she just like I'm gonna do just like cut like a couple dozen of these, <laughs> just like a test, see what happens. And uh, she did that, and they sold like hot cakes, hot fart cakes. Um, presumably they're not hot anymore once they reach the recipient. But um, I think the, they come with heating instructions, right? Reheating. I would hope so. Yeah. I would hope so. Yeah, I mean, you gotta heat them gently, gently, lest you. Uh, adulterate the the pure essence that it's contained within. Um, but she took this seriously, right? Like changed oh, her boy, diet she, and why, everything. And why wouldn't she have taken it seriously, right? Because I mean, she she the, the test was a resounding success. You know, she did a handful of these. Uh, they sold really really well. Um, she raised the price. I think initially they were like fifty dollars each or something like that, and then it was like a hundred dollars each. She ended up topping out at a thousand dollars each uh, for these uh, jarred farts. And apparently, reportedly made around $200,000 selling these. Until, wow. Until, sadly, her health began to, to, to uh, take a turn as a result of all this farting. Mm-hmm. Wait. Yeah, because Ben mentioned a second ago diet that she was taking really seriously. She needed to produce only the finest uh, farts. Um, and, and do so, you know, somewhat in an assembly line fashion. I mean, I don't think you or I could just summon a fart out of nowhere right now. Unless I know we one were... person who could. It was gross. I swear you to God. A, you, knew, you knew a friend? Was it like the oh. fartistry technique where you sort of suck air in your butt and then you, you yeah, that's a trick. It's, yeah. it's similar, like le petalement. Le petalement. I, I, would argue, I would argue not a true fart. That is a false fart in my <laughs> This person, I don't know about Matt's person, but uh, this person wasn't boofing air and then expelling it. They, they, or at least part of the bit, um, because I declined 
to watch the entire process unclothed. Even though she and I, I were friends, I was whoa. like, there's a line. And, um, you know, uh, our friendship is more important to me <laughs> than proving this fart thing. But it's a rare thing, right? We might have a few people in the audience today who can do that. But your point stands, I would argue, because most people who need to produce a, a fart if they find themselves in that situation uh, do have to alter their diet because farts are a product of your gut biome, right? That's exactly right. And um, and Stephanie Maddow knew, knew this. Uh, and I don't know if she had like a fart consultant or something like that, but she found a diet of like, you know, the, the stuff you would imagine. I guess you don't really need a consultant. We all know what makes you fart. Things like beans and, and lots of um, fibrous foods, you know, things like that. And she was consuming so much of this that one day she woke up, uh, you know, I guess presumably to do her daily fart jarring and she felt an an unpleasant sensation in her abdomen Uh, dare I say a stinging kind of like sharp shooting pain Um, and you know being someone who's uh, a bit of a health nut and very aware of her her body um, she went to the ER and the doctor she, she didn't immediately cop to the jarring of the farts but she did speak to the diet and the doctor said hey this is bad this is not good for you i don't know if it's something that was particular to her but it was something that was causing her problems so she had to uh change her business model and guess what she changed it to do you you think that's real or that's a story to to make the next move make more sense i don't know man she's only well let's 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 go back to that in a second matt okay 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 um you know where I'm going with this, based on the preamble of this story. Um, she decided to make the leap into NFTs, non-fungible tokens. Um, and again, they can be many things, but they often are kind of goofy little cartoons that are, you know, unique. That, that if you do a line of them, each one can only be owned once. Um, and uh, that's exactly what she did. And they, these little cartoons are little jars with stoppers in them of varying types. Um, looking at some, right? You can actually go for yourself and ch- check it out for yourself if you want I'm to. Good. The website is, uh, I'm just saying, if anybody wants to, it's, sure. it's totally SF, it's, it's SFW. Mm-hmm. Um, it is fartjarsnft.com. Uh, no, I, I'm going to correct you. It's fartjarsnift.com. <laughs> fartjarsnift. <laughs> I, it's, well, it's, yeah, that's, I'm sure that was not lost on, I mean, that's a pretty, pretty brilliant domain. I'm surprised nobody. <laughs> Had gotten that one already. And if they did, they probably collected a pretty penny for it. But yeah, fart. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll bite. <laughs> Fartjarsniffed.com exists. And you can go there right now. Their tagline is Imagine the Smell. Because that's the best you're going to do. Because they oh, don't smell like, like a, anything. It's like Imagine Maine. I brought it back. It's just it like is. Imagine Maine. So, um, by going to this website, you can take a look, browse their wares. Uh, there's one with like a little top hat. There's one where the stopper is a butt itself with a little poop air stream coming out and some of those kind of goofy emoji glasses. Uh, there's one, this guy looks crazy. He's got like a twitching eye and there's a plunger on his head. Uh, this dude here looks like he's kind of spooky. He's kind of doing these ghost fingers and there's like kind of weird, like mad scientist chemical fumes coming out of the top. That one doesn't look like it has a stopper at all. Uh, one with a donut. Um, the list goes on and, you know, it it benefits the creator or the person getting paid for these to make as many as possible. Uh, they go for 
about 150 bucks uh, in the form of a point, 0.05 Ethereum. Because um, that is what you pay for uh, NFTs with. I think they're exclusively on the Ethereum um, chain. So, Matt, to answer your previous query uh, about the narrative, whether it was true or not, I can't say for sure, but I would say that she was getting a thousand bucks a fart uh, before, and now she's only getting 150 bucks for these fake ones. Granted, you could scale these and you could do more of these, and but you might be onto something, Matt, because she is still she hasn't completely stopped farting in jars if you buy enough of these there's actually a there's like some some benefits um she you can actually get a real jarred fart if you collect a certain number of these it's almost like getting like punch cards and you're like you know whatever uh, choose your chain restaurant location or, oh, or whatever or like weed, yeah. weed, weed shops exactly and a big thing in cryptocurrency and in different you know crypto currencies and different nfts is 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 what is the use case that is a question that's always asked like is a is a particular cryptocurrency viable the question that's asked is what is the use case is it good for like smart contracts is it good for certain types of transactions there's like different ones that are built on different technology or coding or whatever that are good for different things and sometimes whether one does better or another can depend or if it has more like long-term viability depends on the use case so this is a great example of someone kind of understanding that uh, and and just basically bullshitting their way through it. Pun absolutely intended. So utility on the website, according to uh, fartjarsniffed.com. Uh, fart jar NFTs have four use cases that make owning them a blast. Okay? One, access to Steph for pleasure or business. Each token holder will be given access to a private Discord channel with Steph. Some of you may want to be able to communicate with her in an intimate setting, whilst others may have questions about becoming a fartrepreneur yourself. Uh, and then there are other you know, levels, Zoom meetings, uh, the collector with the most fart jar NFTs week one after launch will have the opportunity to spend 30 minutes on a Zoom with Stephanie. Um, and then it goes on to second and third most fart jars in the time on the Zoom diminishes. Then this one I kind of like, um, mentor program. Become a girl boss with access to a private group with Steph where you can be mentored on how to build a brand, become a content creator, and become a fartrepreneur. Uh, and then four, on top of the fart-tastic use cases above, the artwork can be used as a profile picture so that you can proudly display your inclusion in the most explosive, good lord, the fart puns never stop, community in the NFT space. Um, again, this is no shame. This is clever. If she makes money on this, more power to her. Absolutely. I just think it just shows how stupid and out of control this uh, NFT space has gotten. Um, and there's a really great article uh, on Bitcoin.com that has some quotes from Stephanie that I think are maybe overstating the uh, the importance of this, the cultural value. Uh, I get where she's going, where she's coming from, but it almost like makes it sound like satire. And I think it diminishes what she's actually trying to say, uh, which is this. Fart jars are all about taking ownership of your body, your inner worth, with an added whiff of creative genius. Making a statement and an impact is not about pushing a fart it's about pushing yourself to do anything you set your mind to. Um, <clears throat> well, I've got a lot of mason jars around the house, so I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, this, this, yeah. I don't know what to say, Noel. Thank you for bringing this to our attention. <laughs> 
You're so welcome, guys. I'm sorry. I just, you know, I just think this is just such an interesting uh, extreme, you know. And I mean, it'll probably get more extreme than this because you can you can mint anything as an NFT as long as it exists in digital form. Um, maybe maybe we're looking at a future internet where where smells can be transmitted digitally. That'd There's cool and terrifying. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the news, but the there is screen. a yep. yes. Yeah, in Japan. <laughs> Tell you, me ben. more. I don't, I don't know about Thank this. you, Ben. Story for another day, I think. <laughs> okay, fair enough. That's exactly what I thought. Of. Wow. Well, not much else to say, I guess. Um, I don't know, Ben. I, I'm interested in particular, like your your thoughts in the dystopianness of this, or if you see it that way. Like, uh, do you do you feel me on the whole, like? you know, the absurdity of the art market and how, you know, like, I mean, banana taped to a wall sold for like a gazillion dollars or whatever at like art, art Basel. And like, is this just kind of like a digital uh, extension of that? And, and do you see it in the same satirical light that I'm seeing it in or do you, or am I missing something or do you see it differently? No, I agree. Emperor has no clothes and people, uh, if people are consenting adults, uh, I believe people should be able to do what they want. So they're not harming other people. Yeah, no, it's true. And I just want to add to a lot of this stuff is, is, you know, devoted to people or, or geared towards people that have made a lot of money in the crypto space, but it's not, it's not the easiest thing in the world to convert your cryptocurrency back into like, you know, fiat currency. I mean, it, it is, it's not, not easy, but it takes some doing right. So a lot of people that have like 10 Bitcoin or whatever, which is like, you know, a couple hundred, several hundred thousand dollars. If I'm not mistaken, I think a Bitcoin is like, it's, it's dipping a little bit right now. I think it's around fifth, $60,000, $55,000, something like that. Um, they're looking at everything, not in fiat. Like we, we, you're not looking at your, you know, your crypto wallet necessarily in how much cash it's worth all the time. You're looking at it in a different scale. So spending 0.05 Ethereum on a cartoon of a fart jar might be just the the um, um, novelty that someone would just totally click instantly without giving it much thought. But then if you think about it in the real world of like, would you drop $150 out of your bank account into a piece of digital art unless it was just super, super cool and like you could like display it in some interesting way? Probably not so much. So I think this is like preying on people that are listless and bored on the internet and have like all this kind of cryptocurrency to play with. But then again, this is also kind of playing toward these people that have very specific fetishes and very specific fetishes toward a particular talent, a particular uh, individual. So more power to them, but also it's weird. So with that, let's take another quick break and then we'll be back with more strange news. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop. 
Podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. We have returned for another piece of strange news. Wanted to end on this one because it is uh, potentially life-changing for a lot of people. It's gross. It's philosophically fraught, I would say, and it's going to take us to Many, many strange places. So what I'd like to do is set up, uh, I'd like to set up some facts here. And then I'd like for us to, you know, kind of roundtable this. And fellow conspiracy realist, please write in about this because uh, we're going to ask some questions that have haunted people for a long time. But before we get to those questions, let's start with some statistics if you have ever known someone or been related to someone who has had to have an organ transplant, you know that it is a very dangerous process even when everything goes well. You have to find a donor. The organ, whatever it may be, has to be transported viably. There are a lot of rules and laws about the organ market. Uh, see our earlier episode and video series on the red market uh, for our YouTube channel. Last year in the U.S., 
41,354 U.S. residents legally received a transplanted organ. More than half of those are kidneys, and that comes from the United Network for Organ Sharing. There is a huge shortage of organs, and a lot of people, you know, the process usually goes, unless you're rich uh, or rich and crooked, you have to get on a waiting list for organs. And if you are on that waiting list, whatever the organ is, about a, you're also on a ticking clock. About a dozen people on those lists for any organ die every single day just waiting. And the demand has historically outpaced the supply because for now, the world's not quite dystopian enough for people to be openly killed for their organs. Does it happen in some parts of the world? Yeah, kind of. And do uh, some people who are very disadvantaged in very poor parts of the world, do they get pressured into selling their organs for peanuts? Yes, absolutely. Those conspiracies are genuine. But there may be hope. What if you went to a doctor and you needed a heart transplant and the doctor said, okay, you're not gonna, you know, you don't meet the requirements for a human heart, but maybe we can do something else. Maybe we switch it up a little bit. Maybe we can give you a heart from an animal. And your doctor, in this case, it would be one Dr. Griffith, tells you, be straight with you. It's never been done this way before, but I think we can do it. What would you mm. say? Just first off, what would you say without knowing the animal? Which you guys do, but if you didn't know the animal, what would you say? For me, it, it depends on how dire the situation is. You know? I mean, it, if it's your, for me, if it was my last ditch effort at possibly surviving, yes, I make that decision. Um, if not, I, I don't know. It feels like you, you'd wait if there was like any light, you know, if like you, I might get an organ transplant maybe, and I might live to get there. Probably wouldn't do it. Are we talking about philosophically? Are we talking about like, this is super, super experimental or does this definitely work? You might die. You'll definitely never die been, if, you, yeah. if you don't get a new ticker, but you might die on the operating table. Much more likely than if you got a proper transplant. Um, that's the thing. It's sort of on the map of medical procedures. We're we're in the edge of the uh, paper where it says here be serpents. Uh, people weren't quite sure. I'm just wondering if like some people might have an issue with getting like a non-human organ right. in their body if they like might philosophically have some yeah yeah, yeah. Just I, mean, I wouldn't care if right. i was pretty sure it was going to work or it had a mm -hmm. better chance of working than i had of living and the other eight transplanters weren't coming absolutely well but, but this yeah. is literally a first right uh not quite we're gonna get into it okay, this is okay, the first okay. of its kind this is okay. like the first um kind of like how the model t is not the first car but it's the car most people associate with the dawn of the automobile. This is an, in that similar situation. This Dr. Griffith, Dr. Bartley Griffith, literally said that to one David Bennett Sr. of Maryland and the animal in question donating a heart was a pig. So luckily, uh, 
Mr. Bennett did not have philosophical or religious objections. You know, like um, if you are in, if you are from a belief system that precludes or prohibits the consumption of pork or the consumption of animal products in general, does that violate those uh, those spiritual constraints for you to have the heart of a pig beating in your chest? This guy had a life-threatening heart disease, and in an eight-hour operation just a few days ago, he received a heart from a pig, and he is alive. The world's eyes are upon him to see how this works. People with medical experience in the crowd or people who have uh, lived in the world of organ transplants in the crowd, you're already rightly throwing up your hand and saying, well, what about the body's rejection rate? What about the immune response? Because the body doesn't like foreign objects impersonating body stuff. Just, just the same way that cops don't like people who aren't cops dressing up as cops and arresting people, right? It makes sense. And even though that's a not a perfect analogy, this was not your garden variety pig. This was, um, as they say in uh, Charlotte's Web, some pig. This was a pig genetically altered by a company in Virginia called Revivacor. The pig had 10 genetic modifications, and importantly, four of its genes were knocked out or inactivated, and uh, one of these was a gene that encodes a molecule that causes that aggressive rejection response from humans receiving these organs. It makes it, you could argue philosophically, a bit more human. Uh, please do check out a fantastic piece of journalism by Ronnie Karen Rabin. In a first, man receives a heart from a genetically altered pig. He is alive. This was in the New York Times, so it's not, you know, Weekly World News or something. And if he, if he survives, and if he survives over a long period of time, this is going to be a medical breakthrough for potentially hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, but it's also going to put humanity in deep philosophical water. Uh, we will be transforming people into chimera, chimera referring to the ancient myth of, a, of an organism that is an amalgamation of different animals. And chimera human chimera technically kind of exists already. There's also work to your question, Matt. There are previous cases where people have received replacement heart valves from pigs, but never the, yes. ne never the whole thing. You know what I mean? Never the whole thing. This also comes on the tail of different, some real mad science. I usually dunk on people for that fatuous idea of the greater good. Greater good is a convenient rationalization for a lot of horrible things, but there had been earlier tests where they took people who were brain dead and put the medically alive, but on ventilators, and they put these hearts inside them to make sure they work before going on to someone who, you know, would have brain activity. So there has been a lot of work leading up to this, uh, but there, and there's a lot of work to go. But this is a game changer. Who knew pigs would be uh, so useful? Also, it must be dangerous to be a pig now. People are using you to figure out how to breathe through their butts. They're going to grow our porcine friends as, as organ farms, potentially. 
Uh, and now the question becomes like, to me, some of the philosophical quandaries are, is it right to do this? Many, many people would say, yes, absolutely. Uh, the life of a pig is not worth the life of a human. And already pigs are killed en masse every day to provide pork chops and bacon and so on. But there's also a ship of thesis question, right? The old, the old uh, thought experiment of the ship of thesis ask uh, if you take a ship and over time you replace it piece by piece by piece until you have ultimately replaced everything, every material on that ship, is it still the same ship? So I'm wondering if there's a world where people's organs get replaced so often that they are percentage-wise less human. You know what I mean? I, where, where do their rights go in? Yeah, that's a weird one, man. <laughs> I can't imagine that you could... I imagine you could overwhelm the human body. And, you know, it's been, what, what is, what did you say, been three days or something that the guy has lived or four days or something that he's lived thus far with a pig heart inside of him? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, you know, one of the things that we know from these kinds of uh, transplants is that it isn't necessarily something that's noticed immediately that, you know, the body rejects something else that's inside of it. It could take a month. It could take, mm-hmm. however, you know, 25 days or something um, for for him and the, you know, the medical professionals to figure out that his body's rejecting it. Uh, I think we're in a really, like, this is, this is really good, right, that this is happening. I don't, until we wait this one procedure out, I don't think we can know and, and if other organs are going to get replaced. Ben, I want to ask you about the the way that this Dr. Griffith figured out that he could transplant a pig heart, even genetically modified, into a human. Like, what? Mm-hmm. How, how did he figure that out? There are a lot of very smart people who have been working in this field. And uh, Dr. Griffith had some other folks working with him, like Dr. Muhammad Mohuidin, uh, pardon me if I'm mispronouncing there, who is a professor of surgery at the University of Maryland School of Medicine, and they established what they called the cardiac xenotransplantation program in which they successfully implanted pig hearts into baboons, about 50 baboons over uh, a series of five years. So that's pretty impressive. That's 10 baboons a year getting a pig heart. Um, wow. And that's really where they kind of cut their teeth. Is there a, like a inherent similarity between the pig heart and the baboon heart? There are, like, it's it's close enough that you could try to jury-rig the system. But the, obviously, like, uh, this is not ideal for the baboon. goes without saying it's not super great for the pig because they're not trading hearts. Um, and earlier, someone had tried to, in the field of xenotransplantation, someone had uh, attempted to put a baboon heart inside of a human. And it it didn't work out because of that uh, tendency of the human body to reject these sorts of grafts. Uh, and a lot of this depends on a uh, new experimental drug made by an outfit called Kinexa Pharmaceuticals. This suppressed the immune system. It prevented rejection. They also used a new uh, new mechanical device to keep the pig's heart preserved until surgery. And now, you know, pig hearted sounds like an insult, but it may in the future 
just be a condition that people have. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering how close we get to creating increasingly human-like pigs, right? Because the what one of the best ways outside of drugs, one of the best ways to lower the rate of rejection is to continue genetically altering the pigs. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. how close to the line do we want to get? How close should we get? Here's a kind of a sci-fi question, I guess, to maybe introduce to this. We've talked a lot about genetically modifying pigs, and in the past, we've also talked a lot about genetically modifying humans um, and the societal kind of breakdown that that would encompass, like in terms of like only the wealthy can afford to genetically modify uh, themselves or their offspring in such a way as to prevent, you know, illness and things like that. Um, I wonder if there's a way to genetically modify humans that would make them more susceptible to accepting, say, like lab-grown, you know, organ replacements and things like that? Yeah, it's a good question. And it's not as sci-fi as it might sound at first blush. That world is on the horizon. And I would love to spend a, a future episode on the the precipice, the bleeding edge or the bleeding scalpel edge of organ transplantation because it is saving lives, but it's also forcing humanity to confront questions that it just has treated as academic up to this point. Uh, We are going to wrap the show up, but I am going to end on something really cool. I'd like to give a shout out to uh, a show that I dearly love called Radio Lab. It's up there with Hidden Brain, in my opinion. And they point out, or they have an excellent episode on a tiny sugar molecule called alpha-gal, which is, despite the name, not a cool superhero from the boys' comic books. Uh, Instead, it is the sugar molecule that the genetically altered pigs don't create. And this is one of the factors that allows these pigs' organs to be accepted by human bodies. But coincidentally, how weird is this? alpha This alpha stuff is the same thing you become allergic to after you get some certain tick bites. So one of the big questions, I want to end this way. I don't know if we should answer this. I want to end this way. Is it okay to eat the pigs after the organ transplant? If you got the pig's heart, would you eat the pig? (laughs) I think it's what uh, what they would have wanted. We'll have to modify them to be... Well, I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't mod- know what they want. You guys. modify them to communicate more efficiently. It's really just a matter of fixing the vocal cords, I think, um, and some brain centers because they do have uh, the intelligence of, um, you know, what a three-year-old. I think maybe higher. Well, let us know. Let us know uh, how human is too human, and what does human mean in the future? We can't wait to hear from you. Uh, stay safe out there. We want to hear your opinions. On fart jars, we want to hear your take on the mysterious illness in New Brunswick, and um, I would really love to hear some some approaches to these philosophical questions. I know your fellow listeners would love to hear them as well. So, don't delay. Contact us. We try to be easy to find online.
You can find us on the internet. It's a little song era. Um, at the handle Conspiracy Stuff at uh, YouTube, uh, Facebook, where we have the Facebook group. Here's where it gets crazy. You can also find us on Twitter. Uh, still, Conspiracy Stuff. Conspiracy Stuff Show is our handle on Instagram. And we got some pretty exciting news today on the social media front, so stay tuned for more on that soon. Hey, and if you're like me and not a social media person, instead... Go to the phone lines. Uh, when you call, please don't fart. Uh, I mean, I guess you can. I would just, you know, you're not going to get paid for it. So jar it up instead. What are you saying? People should only do things if they get paid for it, Matt? If Sometimes you just got to <laughs> fart for the joy of it, dude. Come on. Uh, it's a, uh, leave yourself a cool nickname. You've got three minutes. Say whatever you'd like. Hey, we look forward to hearing from you. If you have other things to say, you can't say everything you want in that three minutes. Instead, send us a good old-fashioned email. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.